Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for being here to listen to this podcast, Adventures of the Awakened Heart. My name is Julie Tara, and if you want to learn more about me, you can look in the links below. And the reason I started this podcast is I really felt called, especially during this um, most interesting time that we're living in, to, to really help people to think about coming more and more from the heart. Uh, rather than just the mind. And, and that I think we're all being asked to do this, to really birth a new earth. Um, and so that's the reason I started it. And I'm really excited today. I have a beautiful friend of mine that I adore, Philip Attar. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Philip and then uh, we're gonna start off. So here we go. Philip Attar is a mindset coach and a heart meditation guide. His practice is centered around Mastering Flow, a transformative mentorship program designed to help ambitious, high-achieving, conscious entrepreneurs to overcome their blockages and overwhelm that holds them back from their unlimited potential. Philip's practice bridges heart, body, mind, and spirit by holistically combining somatic heart-connecting meditation with the action-oriented approach of mindset coaching. He is committed to helping heart-centered entrepreneurs empower their purpose so they can lead the impactful lives they were born to lead and guide humanity into the new earth to truly live with divinely led mastery. And I will put the links to his website and his Instagram account below so you can find him easily there. So hi, Philip. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited too. Just it's been so long connecting to you. So it's just beautiful to connect. I'm really honored and excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we met at Gaia a while back. You came for the Joe Dispenza workshop at the Gaia Sphere. And the moment I saw you, I was like, who's that guy? I want to interview him since I was there to be doing interviews. And we just had a great connection and, and you were just so fantastic to interview at that time. So so it's been a while and, and I'm thrilled you're back. And um, since we met through Gaia, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what Gaia means to you and being part of that community. It was such a special time. I was there with some friends for the uh, for Joe Dispenza workshop and Joe Dispenza's work is just obviously so resonating with so many people. and. Um, since I have a similar, I mean, it's all a heart practice, right? To expand our hearts and it's similar work that I do. And he's been such a huge inspiration. I wanted to just visit the workshop and it was just awesome to be in Colorado and check it out and to meet you and meet everyone there at Gaia, the Gaia sphere. Um, but I've always loved Gaia just for, you know, growing up, I never had anything like that spiritual, transformative, intelligent, intellectual, scientific, you know, programming, entertainment, knowledge, education. We didn't have that, you know? So now that I know it exists and it's here and it's just, it's really beautiful. So I have a really dear connection to it. It is true, isn't it? That for those of us that are really curious, we, we didn't have that. It was, we had the sort of esoteric new age bookshops and that was mm -hmm. pretty much it, where we'd all yeah. go foraging for, for information. But to me, this is sort of like the university for the soul, what Gaia offers. And it's endlessly fascinating. I, I can't get enough of all the different 
points of view. It's like a big mosaic and mm. all these different colors and different things. So I love it for that. And I'm very grateful because it didn't exist when I was a teenager wondering about, you know, ETs and everything else that you wonder about. And, and I was like, where do I go to get this info? And why is it so difficult to find? And yeah, yeah consciousness, like we could delve into, and I can go to a live event. I mean, how epic is that? I could not just, you know, consume beautiful, knowledgeable information and study online, but actually go to a live event, at least back then, of course, that we were going to live events then, and I know it'll open up soon, but that, I mean, it's brilliant. It's just so beautiful. And even the retreats, you guys have retreats with a lot of these teachers. It's, it's, it's awesome. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really valuable. I want my nieces and nephews really to kind of dive into it when they're ready. Yeah, we just started opening up the Geyosphere again, actually. Uh, Greg oh. Braden came. And oh, beautiful. Fantastic. And Nassim Harman was there first. And uh, I've been listening on the on the live, you know, live access where you can listen to it live or later. And so it's it's just been fabulous. Mm. So let's talk about your your spiritual journey, especially like how did it begin? How long would you say you've been on this awakened journey that you're on now? Oh, geez, spiritual journey. I mean, when I was younger, as a kid, I've always had that kind of kinetic connection to, to the mysteries, right? To some esoteric teachings. Um, even one of the first, what was it? One of the first books I opened up that kind of cracked my head open a little bit was books with Carlos Castaneda. Um, the Fire Within, Journey to Ixland, you know, like, and as a kid reading that, I remember a friend gave it to me. And I was like, what's this? And I'm like, what, what's peyote? <laughs> you know, all this stuff. So I'm like, and I grew up in the suburbs of Canada and very suburban neighborhood where every house is the same. Only difference is the garage might be a different color. Like it's kind of trippy if I look, you know, every time I visit to admit, I'm like, oh, this is like that manufactured landscape. And growing up in that landscape, you don't have much. We didn't have the internet. You know, as you know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, we had the esoteric bookstores, but even those bookstores were in the sea. They weren't in where I was, a suburb in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. There was nothing, literally. Like I had a comic book shop down the street. That was it. And maybe a big bookstore. I forget what it was back then, Barnes and Noble or whoever was there. And to access this information, it was honestly next to impossible. You had to contact a friend or a family member or friend. And do you know this? What book should I look for? Does the does this suburban library even have it? You know, so I had to search. And the search was interesting. I would go into the city with friends and while they would look for hockey cards and basketball cards and baseball cards i'd be like no i need to find some esoteric bookshop i want to find out what this shit is so, so, <laughs> i'm I like love this. It's so, well they're like going into like bloor street or like i think queen street in you in in toronto looking for sports memorabilia i'm like digging in some kind of shadowy shop down a basement looking at some esoteric te uh, text on vibration and i'm like what's that what do you mean vibration what what vibrates and what, what what's resonance what's frequency and what does that have to do with my life and emotions and how i live and so it started at a young age I'd say so this is your teenagers is i was a young adolescent teen yeah. early teens Early now, this is amazing, Philip, to hear that because, you know, we don't know each other that well, but I started with Castaneda's books as ah. a young teenager, like 14, 15. Yeah. And then Eric von Daniken's film came out 
and I was in Cambridge, England, where I grew up. And, and uh, my boyfriend took me, I think I was 15. He took me to see Chariot of the Gods. And I was like, oh. yeah, sure. Why not? Why doesn't anybody talk about this? <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing that we, we started with Castaneda. And I always think about the, you know, your spot, like where he talked about going in the forest and finding mm. your spot. Oh, that was a beautiful scene in my head. I still remember that. It's like to run in the dark forest, pitch black with your knees up. I think I remember that. And it's yeah. like to run with that much. I still talk about that with my clients, like to have that much trust and to just feel to be like, I'm not like trusting God, trust in life force, trust the force, trust yourself, trust your body and like, and like knees up, just run, run, run. And then, you know, obviously try not to hit anything. But <laughs> like, well, even when he talked about, I still remember this assemblage points and that, that egg of energy, that, that, that transfer, the life force that's kind of shaped like an egg, if I remember. And he's like, you, you could pinpoint an assemblage point within all that. And you could, you could, you could transform or transmit part of yourself, personality, identity by by moving your attention to a different assemblage point, I think if I'm getting that co correct, that still sticks to me to this day. And even now thinking of quantum travel, thinking of quantumly aligning with your future, aligning with a different point in your timeline. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but back then I had no idea what it meant. I'm like, yeah. that's right. And he was talking all about that. And, and what I think we both knew was it was very magical. Mm. Very, very magical. And, and now it makes me want to read the books again. Yeah. Totally. Like, I'm like, okay, I want to go back there. I've been going back to some of the things I read as a teenager. Like, I, I watched the film 1984 the other day and then Animal oh. Farm because I was like, I read all those books in, in my teens and what was all that about? And it's just really fascinating given where we're at right now and everything's yeah. rolling. So let's talk about this this uh, term, shall we say, the awakened heart. It's not really a term, but it's a term that I use. Um, what does it what does it mean to you what and how do you see it in the world and how do you experience that hmm. you know an awakened heart is awakened to more depth of feeling where we're not living only perceiving external condition so we're not living only perceiving people places work love you know anything that we perceive outside of us it's like a lot of us, well, this is an understatement, our whole society is essentially uh, growing up and has grown up disconnected from our heart. We're raised that where everything is literally a physical manifestation. You, you get a job, you study books, you you take in information outside of you, you study with a teacher, you you study and you you practice work in a, in a method and a skill and a talent and you, you go out in the world, out in the world. I'll say that one more time out in the world and you live your life but it's it's rarely taught especially when you grew up and even before for hundreds of years and different cultures obviously differ but from the inside out to actually like feel first like why do we have so many kids going to school and college and then dropping out or finishing thinking okay i just wasted 200 grand what did i do that for it's like well, then why did you go because society tells you you need to so an awakened heart is awakening to the realization that you are more than your external perceptions. You are, it's not, and it's not just a heart, you're awakening to an inner feeling that is deep, that is like, oh, I, I feel this world differently. I see it differently from the inside out. I can perceive it differently. And now I can create a new, new life from the inside out, from feeling, from heart, from that connection, from that interconnectedness. And then 
awakening in your heart and yourself, you then connect to the earth more, you connect to animals more, you connect to people more, you connect more, which again is so beautiful what Gaia kind of helps bring people to and what people like you, just how we're doing right now, just chatting. So yeah, that's, that's what I think of the awakened heart. It's very beautiful what you're saying. And I feel like it's a deep level of, um, <clears throat> of intuition that when we feel in like that, we feel, and then the whole body starts to vibrate around the idea that syncs up with where we're meant to go or who we're meant to meet or what we're supposed to do in the next moment. And it's a, it's a listening, isn't it? It's just a constant listening to what now? which brings us really into the present moment consistently. Mm -hmm. And then there's where vibration comes in, right? When you, when you link up with the next, but in the now, but you link up to it, not based on an, an external perception of calculation, like to-do list, let me, I do this, so I should do X, Y, Z, let me come up with a list, which one should I do? No, you feel a resonance, you feel a feeling. The feeling has a texture. The texture can be technically formulated as a frequency, you know, as a vibration, an intuition, and it emanates. As I know a lot of these practitioners now are studying, like Dispenza and Gregory. It's, it's, there's a biofield energy that emanates outside of you that you could cultivate. And that frequency can then ping, quite literally. Can, you can feel into a line that is just so much more useful. And there's still questions there. There's still directions and choices, which is the beauty of life too. But it's far more intuitive. It's far more guided. And it's, it's consistently connecting to that frequency inside of your heart that allows you to live with that much grace, ease, and then power to actually and not be overwhelmed with life anymore. I really love this because it, it makes me feel as you're speaking that it's a sort of sudden click in or an alignment with our, our destiny and we know it and it's a sort of cleaving to that it, it, in a very unattached way. You know, it reminds me when I remember when I was little, when I was 10 and my mother took me through Richmond Park in England. She said, there's the Royal Ballet School. And I looked down this long pathway, it's coachway of trees lining it. And there was this incredible white lodge. And the moment I saw it, I said, that's my school internally. Mm. I didn't say it to her, but I just, that's, that's my school. That's where I belong. Mm. And I had no idea that people were trying from all over the world to get into the Royal Ballet School and blah, blah, blah. I didn't know any of it. I just knew it was my school. And then by a year later, it was I was there as a board of five years living in that school because I knew it was my, my home for that next period of time. It was my destiny. So that's kind of what I'm feeling with what you're saying is there's this kind of clicking in like recognition, like yes or no, or maybe yes, but not right this moment. Mm there's alignment and I love talking about destiny because to me it's just an algorithm it's kind of the way I look at destiny you are born within a certain location within a certain family within a certain DNA and all that comes with conditioning, like ancestral conditioning your father's conditioning your mother's conditioning how they grew up how they treat you how you act and react to life and how you act and react to environment your school the ballet etc so there's technically a, a pre-described formula for your potential I talk about this all the time with my clients. There's a formula for your potential. And then people are like, is that limiting? I'm like, well, for example, I'm not going to become a football player. I never was. It just wasn't built in my body, wasn't built in my training, wasn't built in my parents. They didn't instill in me, wasn't in my genes. 
but kung fu and boxing was because my dad and my family are big into boxing and martial arts i even have a family member that now manages ufc fighters so we're like big into that so it's like and then it's also tied to the the meditation right the kung fu the chi chi kung and so i went into that meditation route so there's a formula there a texture and also in the way my dad was interested in Nietzsche and psychology and young as a child and I'm six years old and he's reading me young and I'm like like no he, he never read me childhood books he's like I'm gonna read you young <laughs> I'm like all right so and here I am so you can feel the rhythm of how you grow up and there's a destiny there but th there's a bandwidth of where you can go within that you have choices within that you can go left you can go right you can go straight you can go really off kilter offline and when you go offline that's when you feel diseased i'm not at ease because we're not following a natural progression of our algorithm we're kind of out of the algorithm of how we were created and then we get what happened to me i got graves disease diseased and as you know that story but it's like I actually went really into physical disease. It started to manifest and the tension built in my body for years, not staying online or not following a natural line. Let me put it that way. So following your destiny, or rather it's essential to awaken to your heart and more feeling and frequency to allow yourself to naturally follow the power of your de destiny. And what may be even, dare I say, more aligned opportunities in this lifetime right because of the algorithm of kind of god's universe that you're created in so i find that i love destiny because it, it, it's kind of like math you could formulate it eventually this is amazing where you're going with this because you know i think of michael mead and his great mm. best, you know fate and destiny and funnily enough my mother gave me jung's book memories dreams and reflections when i was like <sighs> 17 and I was reading that kind of stuff then. And I came across Napoleon Hill when I was like 12 and signed up for something. I don't even know how I Thinking, signed up, yeah. but I got all these tapes. And so we are very, it's what you're saying. I absolutely agree with that. There really is this kind of formulaic pathway and we can really get off it or we can go more and more in alignment. And when we do, it's like a slipstream. It's like mm. when you don't fight it, yeah, follow your, and then that's how we can define purpose, quote unquote, right? Because purpose is merely being the best version of yourself or the most aligned version of yourself or just aligned version of you where you are living within your algorithm. And I'm trying not to say that where it feels confining. It could still be unlimited and expansive because it's infinite. The universe is infinite. So there's so many different ways to express your creativity within your algorithm. It's still, it's not bound by one or two different ways. It's still, it's still, it's so dimensional. It's, it's, to feel how many ways you can express yourself, but that's only one human amidst seven point whatever billion right now, 7.8 billion people on this earth, and let's just say one earth, like one planet, <laughs> let alone what's happening interdimensionally. I mean, we can get deep into this, right? So it's like, and all of us are different fractals and extensions of life force of God. Fractals expanding, and as you have a child, fractally expanding within you, and it's all an algorithm. It's, that's playing itself. That's all, it's a natural way and a natural order of the world. And when the algorithm gets a little off kilter, when there are too many people in dis-ease, when there are too many people sinning, and sin just a thousand years ago meant in ancient Aramaic, misstep. So too many people misstepping from their destiny, from their natural way of life, of, of expression. 
then you have a lot of what's happening in the world today or in any time in life when there's a lot of disruption in nature, disruption in the environment, disruption virally, dare I say, right? It's like, it's all disruptions from the algorithm, which is also natural too. It's interesting because you have, we could talk about that as well, I can go on forever, but it's just the pendulum swinging, right? Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling into all of it. Yes, yes. So let's go to, you know, your story or, you know, a life story of that, that was really transformational for you. Um, because usually that's how we learn the most, right? Is from our own very personal disruption. And then it, if we're lucky and we're paying attention, it will help us get back on course. So would you share a transformational story? Oh, yeah. Like when I was in, when I was in early thirties, I was married beautiful marriage, beautiful wife in the beginning, beautiful relationship. But we really were still experiencing a lot of trauma that we weren't processing yet. Now in hindsight, obviously it's so, you know, 2020 super clear. Um, I was living with a lot of disease in my body and myself. I wasn't eating well. I was, I had a very successful career in fashion advertising in New York City, made the money, had the apartment, had the wife, had the car, blah, blah, blah. And then I hit walls, big walls, all the time. I was drinking a lot, like bottle whiskey by myself every night, or at least once a week, like just wine, half a bottle a night by myself, thinking, okay, that's normal, no big deal. We're in New York City, it's just a thing. And I literally developed Graves' disease and Graves' ophthalmopathy. My eyes literally started bulging out of my head about six, seven millimeters, and then I became permanently cross-eyed. It's a long story, but long story short, all those tensions built up in my life, the tensions built up in my marriage, the tensions built up in my relationship. It was actually a very violent marriage, to be honest with you. We were both very violent towards each other. And we were, my mother-in-law passed away from breast cancer and my wife was taking care of her at the time. We were taking care of her in Connecticut. We were both dis-eased. My wife wasn't working. We both became manic depressive. I was blowing through my savings. I couldn't work because I couldn't see. My eyes were literally blacking out every other week. And I'm like, go blind for five minutes, turns back on. Doctors said that the muscles were pinching the eye muscles so much and then releasing. So it's like, they were like, eventually you're gonna go blind if this keeps up. So we have to like take out your thyroid, cut the bones in your eye muscle, give you hormone pills to replace them and then it'll rebalance it. And I'm like, that sounds like shit. <laughs> to be honest with you, I literally told my doctor to F off. And I was like, that doesn't sound like balance to me. And it triggered me. So a transformative moment was my, when my endocrinologist said, Philip, your body's not balanced. We have to take these things out to balance it. I'm like, that's not balancing it. If, it's, if I'm not balanced, I sat there in the office, then why can't I rebalance it? That was literally like, I was like, aha. And she, and she was like, I'm not gonna name names, but with love we all have our path she was like no that's not going to happen you're going to go blind so just you have to do these surgeries and i didn't have any money i was like 100 grand in debt because of all these medical bills piling up like flat like out. you had a moment of truth is what it sounded like you had that moment of truth when you oh. said it you felt it like it that was like thing. an aha it was like oh i'm diseased so i just need to get it that was it it was like i was trying every diet every pill every turmeric this every 
to make those help. But I mean, every anti-inflammatory this, I was studying every nutritional book and they did help, no doubt. And definitely the diet was number one, like changing my diet and working with Dr. Linda Lancaster, who now I have the milk cleanse with, is, that changed my life. Just that, that process of fasting and cleansing the immune system, the body, the gut, the intestines, and doing that twice a year, four times a year at that point, that's what really cleansed the body. But the big aha moment after that, that actually created even greater transformation, the aha moment that I needed to release tension. I was still holding it. Didn't matter how cleanly I was eating. I was still like this. I was still diseased, even though some of the numbers in my graves were going down. TH or the, the thyroid and uh, T4 or whatnot. And that huge aha. I remember that I took Qigong as a kid, Kung Fu, martial arts. I remember the breathing techniques. I remember all of it to get you into your Danqian, your Qi to cultivate chi energy, which also then I studied reduces brain waves, brings your body into your brain into a theta frequency, which you and Gaia obviously teach people. And it's like your theta frequency, then your immune system kicks in and then it's healing. And that's what meditation does or the potential of it. And then I'm like, great, I'm just gonna meditate and be still for a year and eat vegetables and we'll see what happens. A year and a half later, actually eight months later, started to, my eyes start to go back year and a half later, it's where it is now. And I went back to the doctor and she was like, how the F did you do that? And I'm like, I meditated and I ate vegetables and I was committed to consistency every day, hours a day. And not only did it transform my body, my body entered into a healing state. No gurus, no special, didn't spend money on anything really. It, I was lit. Like energetically, I was like, high. I was lighter. I could perceive more. I could feel more. I could see more. I could hear more. I could, I could, I could just delve into more depth in my psyche and people and things and psychic abilities because I was just committed to opening up. So your superpowers, your superpowers came online. Open up, superpower, absolutely. And then bing. Then I recognized the method. I won't even call it my method. It's God's method. It's release attention. It's what all these teachers teach. We just teach it in a different language. We say different words, but we're all doing the same thing. <laughs> release the tension in the body. Find that deep breath. Open up the heart. Expand the heart. Cultivate that heart. Expand it again. Feel the spaciousness and all of it. Dive into God. Dive into life force. Feel the cradle. <gasps> Great. That's exactly what I do with my clients now. I mean, this really puts you into your full-on destiny mode, really. I mean, because I remember you showing me a photograph of how how you were during that time, and, and mm. I just wanted to weep. And it makes me emotional even right now, mm. how troubling it must have been for you. I can't even imagine how frightening that time period must have been. But you found yourself through it. That's what's so incredible. It's, I mean, even thinking back at it now, I look at that young Philip, younger Philip, mid thirties. Yeah, but it's all part of the algorithm. So I think of my destiny and I think of how I grew up with a schizophrenic father on welfare, no money. My mom worked her ass off, God bless her, to make sure we had food on the table and we weren't on welfare, like borderline. You know, we didn't, I didn't even have a bedroom until my 
late teens. Like it was just a, an apartment room. And it was knowing even my in my spirit and my higher self now and connecting now, I'm like, I had to do that. That's the school. <laughs> How else would I build that much tension to then dive into the truth, to dive into the pattern, to dive into the formula that we all teach that people like me you know, Greg Braden talks about Dispenza and all these teachers, you, we, we're all teaching the same thing, but differently, right? To reach different people. But the algorithm, in order for me to get here on my timeline, I needed that. Now, I could have gone on a different timeline. When I was in high school, I remember I had two avenues. My ego wanted to be a designer and creative and artist. And I went that route in fashion. The other side of me wanted to be a psychologist. And I remember those fork in the roads. So I could have gone that route. Maybe I would have gone here too, maybe. But it would have been different. It's a different timeline, a different expression of healing, right? I went a drastic route, I'd say, into disease. But that also, I think, the energy of it, the distance of it, created a bit more propulsion. You know, it's interesting because <clears throat> I didn't know that you went into the whole fashion thing at all. But I do mm. remember the moment when I saw you and I was like, well, he has got it going on. Look, oh. <laughs> look at that shirt. Look at that. That's cloth he's wearing. He's like, and I had no idea you had any, any had had a life sort of in that vein to, to some degree. So it is interesting. We have these, these forks and we make choices. And I, I remember choosing between ballet and being a professional clarinetist. And I loved the clarinet and I wanted to do it, but I didn't like the idea of being in a dark pit every night. I was like, I, I need to be in the light, not in the dark. Mm. So I picked ballet because then I was in the light. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So beautiful. Yeah. So metaphorical mm. too. Beautiful. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, I worked in fashion for like 16 years, seven, 16 years or so. Worked for branding, advertising in New York City work for companies like Vogue and Condé Nast and brands like Swarovski, etc. and Interview Magazine did some gigs. And it's like, yeah, I did that. It was awesome. Super fun. Super stressful. Super full of ourselves. My ego was way over the roof, I admit. <laughs> I, was, I was absorbed in it all. And it just, uh, I got too absorbed. I got diseased from it because I just identified with it too much. It wasn't yeah. balanced. Or in the harmony, let's say. So when you went through this now, this this huge sort of revelation and suddenly you healed, well, not suddenly, but over this eight month period and then a year and a half, you you healed your, your situation. Um, how, how did it transform how you showed up in, in your life? Did you make a mega shift from the work you were doing to something totally different? It, it was quite a quick shift in hindsight. I think when I opened up that much, I was seeing a therapist and who is still so dear to my heart, Dr. Ford. Um, she really helped me so much in just her way. And she's the one who introduced me to Reiki. So I was, I was healing now. My eyes were healed. I was trying to process the marriage. We were trying to going through couples therapy so we could get divorced and not be codependent. So it was like just trying to detach was hard. Um, we're both going through so much disease and we're just trying to separate. So it was a little bit of a, what's an understatement? It was a violent divorce even. It was crazy. Um, so I was seeing a therapist to kind of continue processing that work. And then when my therapist started to see that I was finding a certain balance and didn't quite need her anymore, like cognitive therapy, she did this. She put her hands over her eyes and her ears and she said, have you ever tried Reiki? And I'm like, what's that? 
It's <laughs> like Reiki. I actually don't know what that is. What is that? She's like Reiki. You should look it up. I have a friend or a practitioner in New Hampshire that you should see. And I'm like New Hampshire. I'm gonna go to New Hampshire for. I'm in New York City. I didn't listen to her for maybe I don't know months. I can't remember six months, maybe a year. Got in a final huge massive fight with my wife, and we finally decided to get divorced. And it was just messy. That I, I was like, where's that fucking card? Sorry, <laughs> I was like, where's the card? Where's the card? Where, where, where's that? Where's that practitioner? I looked her up. I looked her up online. She had an immediate course like the following weekend for to teach Reiki to get a certificate Reiki one. And I didn't. I still didn't know what it was. I'm like, okay, I'll rent a little Victorian B and B and hang out in New Hampshire and just have a little, you know, vacation for a weekend. Hang out with some people doing Reiki. That changed my life as well. That was a transformative moment because what it did, what I still define it as Reiki, it allows you an opportunity to dive deeply into that heart frequency. I don't. They don't describe it like that. I think, but. For me, that's the way I describe it. You you dive into potentially that frequency in your heart if you release the tension and trust, and just dive into the trust of it. Trust, just to surrender, 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 and having all these people around you to help emanate that heart frequency, where they can help help you and train that elevated frequency or that amplified frequency. That also transformed my life and made me realize what that was. And then I was committed to studying it. So I studied with several Reiki teachers. I I committed to learning well, what is that? It's not just Reiki. That's been around in every culture. You know, it's Ka, it's Chi. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even have to be called anything. Like, what if we don't call it anything? You're just connecting to your heart. You're amplifying it. You're connecting to the universe, to God, life force. And then that also transformed my life and allowed me to find a deeper connection to the work. Reiki is really gorgeous. I, I studied Reiki, but I, I agree with you. I think there are many forms because in macrobiotics, uh, in mm -hmm. my early twenties, I studied palm healing, same thing. Mm -hmm. Then I started therapeutic touch, same thing. It's all the same, and it is exactly about centering the heart and then bringing it forth and and creating that field where someone can heal, not because you heal them but because you create the field. Exactly, which I think is a really big distinction that needs to be understood. It's not that we're healing people, we're, amp we're allowing them to dive into an amplified heart frequency where their body biochemically enters into a healing state. The cells start to click, the energy is harmonized, and then the cells and the DNA can do its program job within the harmony. You take the friction out of the cell, essentially. That's kind of the way I put it. It's like. When you're in disease, your cells are like this, your, your fist is clamped. And it's like, what we're doing in Reiki is allowing you to open it up. Then you amplify what you feel. Biofield increases, body does what it is programmed to do. Boom, Reiki. Boom, absolutely correct, boom. And so now I'm thinking as, as, as well, I'm feeling it really as you're speaking, how then does this look because my next question for you is, is about the heart vision, your heart vision for the world. And I'm feeling like that's kind of the place we all need to go oh, to. 100%. It's, it's all, my work has since then centered around the heart. I call myself a mindset coach and heart meditation guide. Almost even recently, I'm like, I'll take the mindset coach out. I don't even coach my clients anymore, honestly. I work with them for 12 weeks, barely coach them. Every time they have a problem, 
we dive into the heart. I teach them how, how to kinesthetically actually do it. Amplify your heart, dive in, release tension in the cells, how to do that. And it's infinite. When you think you've hit like, oh my God, it's God, life force, it's awesome. The next week it's like, holy shit. Like, I'm like, yeah, keep going. And how to, con how to control it, how to manipulate it. It's your energy, how to, how to surrender to it, how to let it lead. You follow, how to surrender into the algorithm and frequency of your life. So it's hard, even, even now what I've done is, now that I've cultivated that practice with my clients for all these years since then, it's actually perfect timing. Now you say like, what is the vision for the world? Literally on Monday, I'm launching a new program for more people, because instead of working with my private clients, which is a bit, there's only so many people I can work with there, obviously. This is for everyone. I've cultivated that heart frequency, that process that I've done with thousands of clients now. I'm like, great. Now let's share it with tens of thousands. Like, let's like, let's teach it what it, what kids should learn. It's the nature of prayer. It's the nature, even deeper than meditation. This is more of a somatic kind of kinesthetic feeling in your body to cultivate the, the heart frequency, what heart math studies, what Dispenza teaches and studies, what, what we all are studying and teaching, same thing. So it's just teaching my vision for the world, teaching that heart connected frequency, how to connect, how to surrender, how to release tension, how to amplify, how to follow it. That's it. Whatever you want to call it. God, Allah, life force, Ka, energy, universe. Doesn't even matter. It's just language. But how to actually connect to it and feel it. That's it. Kind of, totally. I mean, I, I feel like ultimately that this is really just one divine heart and mm -hmm. we're all part of it. We're That's, all it. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. I think no. it doesn't have to have anything attached to it. Even the more I teach all these years, the more I take my modules and my online program away from my clients. I'm like, don't even listen to it. Just do the heart work. What question do you have? Do the heart work. They call me, they need an emergency session. I'm just guiding you into your heart. <laughs> it's just it's just that. Out of all the teachings and hundreds of hours of stuff I've recorded or done or taught over the years, right now, I could say, honestly, if I took it all away, just connect to your heart. You'll find your way. You'll connect to your algorithm. You'll connect to your destiny. You'll answer your own questions. You'll dive into your own power. You'll amplify your power. You'll, you'll instill confidence. You'll follow your intuition. You'll grow your intuition. And then, beautiful, enjoy life. <laughs> and don't you feel that everyone knows it when you're there? They just mm. feel it on the street, out in nature. When you're in nature and the wild animals just come to you, it's because you're free. It's just there you are. You're, you're in that place. They know they're completely safe. There's nothing to be afraid of at all. In fact, there's no distance. There's no disconnect. It's, it's the oneness. And children know it. Little babies know it. Little toddlers know it. We write about it. Snow White. I mean, the birds coming to her because of her kind, soft heart. You know what I mean? She was yeah. the connected, loving one. I mean, it's all of her sisters or something, right? It's like all these, it's, it's like instilled in stories and even... It's a little extreme, of course, but the way evil, quote unquote, people are, are, are like 101 Dalmatians with, I forget. Corella Deville. Corella Deville, when you're diseased, or the witches who are diseased or have had even some of the stories of like a lost love is how they went off into the woods and, and found some madness within themselves. And their hair gets 
big and their eyes get big. And again, it's we could link it even biochemically to what they're extremely illustrating, yes, but it's illustrating the disease in a human and the love that connects to animals. There's a, there's a little, it's the pendulum of life, right? The, the frequency of either or. So it's in the stories in children's books. The magic is all there. That's why I love fairy tales and myths mm. because the magic is so there. And I, I remember as a little girl, I used to go out into nature and I'd, I'd just be out there and then I'd be like, oh, I'm the queen of the fairies and this is my land and it's my job to take care of the land. It's my job to take care of Gaia because I'm the queen. You know, it was like a complete fairy tale lived in the fairy tale, but I've, I've always felt that. And then everything I do has to do with Gaia, either Gaia the company or, or my <laughs> or you know my other work is to do with earth frequencies and energies and i'm like yeah it was happening then i was only six seven years old but it's just unfolding that that sense of oneness and like the love and the love like of our planet the love for one another and just holding that space it just i think it really does um create such a shift that that everyone feels because you you are you are changing the frequency just by being there. I, I know that happens with you because I, with the, when I met you, I was like, oh yeah, you're right there. And that was why it was so easy to sync up. Oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely. Same here. And that's again, what we're teaching people with all of this. You know, it's not so much about teaching people how to connect or how to speak to people, how to date, how to find your lover, how to speak to your boss, how to work on your career. It's like, all this cognitive stuff that's like, you have a brain, you'll know how to do that, you know, to, to figure out the logic of it. We're, our human is already programmed to do that. What we've deprogrammed is cultivating the intuition and the heart connection to then allow that to lead. And that, all, it, it filters all the junk out. You don't need to make so many big choices in a spectrum anymore when you're heart connected. You walk into a room, you feel yourself, you emanate your power and truth, then you have someone walk across the room that is connected to that, just like you and I did. We're like, hey, what's up? You know, it's like, then you then you sync up quite literally. But when we block it, when we suppress it, when we uh, stuff it under the rug for years, uh, unintentionally, just out of conditioning, then we don't attract those loving partnerships or we attract a partnership that is attracted to that heart that is filled with some shadow beautiful then there's the opportunity for some resolution but that's also when we enter into painful relationships like i did in my marriage we were attracted to each other it was a perfect vibrational match for us both to uncover our triggers and traumas i'm looking at our time and i'm like oh my gosh i i feel like for ever and uh because I, I just love it so it's like it's yummy it's like the yummiest thing <laughs> or something i don't know it's so good it's so good um so let's look then from all of this expansiveness where we've been is for our listeners what would you suggest as like a golden nugget what would you give them as a golden nugget uh a north star shall we say for for moving forward release the tension in your body. Like even right now, 
you're listening to us. Let's do it right now, just quickly. Just, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. This is what I mean. It doesn't have to be like, let's close our eyes, put our headphones on, get my eye mask, get my sage or whatever. No, 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 we don't need anything. Just need your heart. I kind of joke with my clients when they came in when I had a physical practice. I'd be like, you got any crystals in, my pocket, in your pocket? They're like, yeah. I'm like, great, leave that at the door. We just, we just need you and your heart. Now, release the tension in your body. And I'm doing it now too. Placing my feet firmly on the ground. Feel the floor, the carpet, the rug. And again, with our eyes open to perceive lightness without closing our eyes. So we perceive it more throughout the day. Here's the nugget. When you can release tension in your body on a micro level, your chest, your shoulders, your eyes, your nose, your mouth, your teeth, your gums, the space behind your eyes, long, slow, deep breath, like four or five seconds in and out through the nose. So it's a slow circular breath. You do this throughout your day. You will become more somatically connected to your body and your body lives in space time. Your body is here now. Your mind can time travel. Your mind can go into anxiety from the past, anxiety into the future. It could bring in more anxiety into this moment, but your body is here. It's not going anywhere. Long, slow, deep breath. Release the tension in your body. You do this throughout your day as you listen to this. Anytime throughout the day. You're scrolling Instagram, you do this. You're chopping some vegetables, you do this. You're watching something on Gaia, you do this. You're surfing the internet, you do this. You're in an argument with someone and you recognize you're triggered, you do this. You will slow drip so much tension from your life in two weeks. You will start to perceive more anyway. Then you go deep. Slow drip at first. And little, little, little by little every day, that sack, that big bag of tension that we have literally carried on our shoulders for decades in our life of trauma, shadows, childhood, tensions. You, you, you just cut one little slit in it and let that sand seep out. Long, slow, deep breath, release tension in your knees, your fingertips, your elbows and you will find more presence where your consciousness and heart will then know what to do. It's perfect. I can feel it. I can feel it. And you know, it's funny, yesterday in Pilates, somebody said about Kayut yoga. I'm sure you've maybe tried Kayut yoga and that's all about that. You stay in these positions for a long period of time until your nervous system finally unwinds. Mm. And you don't even know how much tension you have. And then suddenly, and she was saying she suddenly was just like shivering and shaking because it was all starting to kind of un unwind. And and I said, oh yeah, I love Kayut yoga. I'm coming <laughs> and start it again, you know, next week. And it, it, it is so simple that like you said, you're chopping veggies for dinner and and you can do it. You can do it as you're driving in the car. You can do it anywhere at any time while you're taking a shower. And it, it, it is just brings us back to the present moment in an open and relaxed state. And you're using your body. A few things. You're using your body. The easiest thing to connect to. It's so big. I mean, it's right here. You're using your body something that you're familiar with. This is not an esoteric teaching that you might get lost in. You do not need an appointment to do this. You do not need to wait to meditate to do this, which is also one of the things that I think trip most people out. Oh, I don't have 
40 minutes. I don't have 20 minutes. I don't even have 10 minutes in the morning. I got children. I get it. Do this throughout your day. Then you will find the time because it feels so damn good. It's another, I won't even call it meditation, a practice I do with my clients, similar to that yoga, but we don't do any poses, is for one hour, we have a session, we do nothing. And I tell them to schedule it in their calendar. And I challenge anyone to do this right now. DM me if you do this or comment on my Instagram. You can like talk about it. Do nothing for one hour. Put it in your calendar. And I mean sit, get a blanket, some light tea, no big caffeine, water. Don't do anything. Don't write. Don't journal. Don't meditate. No special breathing. No mantras. Just observe. You will let the dust settle in one hour so much you will dive into luxury you'll dive into the feeling of it because you're telling your body and your nervous system i'm not being chased by a lion i am fed i am sheltered i need and want for nothing and your body will chemically respond with dopamine we'll get so damn high in one hour and so connected by just doing that it's one of my favorite practices there's another way. I love this. I love this. When you said dive into luxury, I was like, I got to write a poem about it. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing more luxurious than time. And to feel that you don't even need to write an email in this business culture, capitalistic corporate culture, come on. You sit there for an hour, you do nothing. You don't need to feed your children. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to listen to me or you. You just have you and your consciousness, your heart and your environment. Eyes open. One hour. Try it. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> I love it, Philip. I, I am. I'm going to do it. I want to. <laughs> I think maybe the next hour. Oh, fantastic. I, I absolutely just adore you. And I love this conversation so much. It's so rich. Um, it's just, it's just a real blessing to know you. I have to say you're one of the most special people that I know and I don't even know you very well but I feel like I do know you so well same I mean it's when you have we're like the concave to the convex the yin to the yang we just fit right and that's what's so beautiful about having and cultivating I think both of us are just so committed to an awakened heart and even in our shadows we both deal with shit I'm sure and god knows I do but that's that's the fun that's the work and that's, it's not even work, that's just life. That's just life, that's just the journey. And it's an honor to be here with you, honestly. I don't take many podcast interviews or conversations often because I really want to feel a connection. I really do. Like, I don't just want to like talk about shit. And be like, oh yeah, okay, blah, 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 what'd you do? And I'm like, no, do we have a connection? Can we cultivate that first? Can we grow it organically? And it's just, it's beautiful to have that with you. So I have no doubt you and I will know each other for for life very long time and ever on beyond <laughs> beyond exactly we probably did before before <laughs> oh there's no doubt no doubt no doubt thank you so much philip thank you for this time with me it's really a, a treasure to be with you and uh thank you to everybody who's listening uh to this podcast adventures of the awakened heart Please connect with the links below. I'll put them in the description. I'll talk about Philip. I'll put his links. Uh, join the Gaia community. I think you're going to love this community. It's a really awakened heart community. And uh, we feel blessed to be part of it. And we'd love you to join us. So thank you so much. Blessings to you, Philip. Have a gorgeous rest of your day. And uh, we'll talk soon. 
Bye for now. Bye. Bye.